Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation changes? When you work with Edward Jones, they focus on what's important to you. You'll work together and use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And they'll partner with you to help your strategy stay on track. Visit edwardjones.com or stop by the office of Todd Nash in Coralville, Jeff Rudolph, or Scott McGill in Iowa City, or or Travis Whitmore in North Liberty. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. Oh man, here we go again. Up early, feed the dog, out the door, traffic, at the office, boss in some kind of mood today, no time for lunch, annoying coworker, no time to relax, bedtime. Then we gotta do it all again? Uh, no way. Because the best way to break up the mundane every day is to play. At Wild Rose Casino and Resort, slots, tables, sports, and a whole lot of perks when you join and play with your club wild card. So, let's play. Wild Rose Casino and Resort, Clinton. Parkfanatic.com brought to you by Deary Brothers Ford on Mormon Track. Patrick Eads, the staff and great service department. Steve Anderson, Hawkeye Title and Settlement. Mike's Lock and E-Keys for Cars. GT Car and his crew at Supel's Building and Remodeling. Supel's Flowers, the home of 1-800-800-ROWS. The Midtown Family Restaurants. Hertine and Stocker Jewelers, 101 South Dubuque Street, downtown Iowa City. The Sanctuary Pub on South Gilbert. Premier Automotive in North Liberty. The Oxyoke Inn and the Amanas, Streets Maintenance, Dr. Lance Forbes, Diamond Dental and Cedar Rapids, and the Wild Rose Casino. We will be there Saturday in Clinton, broadcasting live. Here from I, Co- from Croatia to Clinton. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Tom Suter story. <laughs> here's uh, joining uh, Jim and I. Here's uh, Pat Hardy. From HawkFanatic.com and Coach Don Patterson. Good morning, Don. How are you? Pat, I am well. How are you? Good. And we're going to start with a trivia question today. I'm going to, Captain, you can't answer because you know all the Hawkeye history stuff. So uh, this one, Don, it's recent. <laughs> you might be able to answer this one. I probably wouldn't if I didn't have the, I'd forget about it. But okay. Here's the question. This is from Andy Cronball, who um, he posts questions for Hawk Fanatic. Um, Kamari Moulton scoring two rushing touchdowns in his first career appearance for the Hawkeyes. Prior to this, who was the last Hawkeye to score two rushing touchdowns in, in a single game? Bonus question, in what game? Two rushing Don't touchdowns. Know. Caleb Johnson had two rushing scores in last season's Week 3 matchup against Nevada, 27-0 Hawkeye victory. I wouldn't have remembered that. Some, I think it was Caleb Johnson. Do, okay. <laughs> wasn't. I wouldn't have remembered that, Don. I know some people that cover the team probably would have gotten it right away. I'm not good with stuff like that. But, but no, I thought that was a timely question. And, um, Don, there's a lot to talk about, but a lot of the post-game discussion – with what happened late in the game with Kirk going for that late touchdown. By the way, I wrote a column. I didn't have a problem with it. I don't think he was doing that with points in mind. I think it was a unique situation, but I think this is what the problem is with these stupid amendments that are in Brian Ferentz's contract. This is going to be an ongoing story that people are going to use to make fun of Hawkeye football throughout the season. I just want to get your thoughts. Well, the reason, um, probably the reason 
people notice that we did it is it's not what we've done in the past. You know, we've typically taken a knee even as recently as Utah State. You know, we had a chance late in that game to score points. Yeah, he could have gotten – that's what I'm saying. He could have gotten – I think this was a unique situation because you had a six-team running back in there. Right about that. Let's not forget, we threw the ball one down earlier too. No, actually they threw it twice. Correct, but we threw it on third and goal at the at the two. So do you think he was thinking of the contract? I don't, but do you think he was? Well, it just begs the question, why are we not taking a knee when we have a chance? Here's what typically happens. We put in subs and and late in the game and the score is already out of hand. And you still need to give them a chance to play, simply meaning, okay, if we can just run, if we can just run basic offense, which would not include a reverse late in the game, if we can just run our basic offense and score a touchdown, then so be it. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless we're to that point in the game where we can take it in and run out the clock, and that's that's why it was noticeable as we didn't. You know, we went ahead and chose to try to score uh, late on that last drive, and of course we had the field position simply because they tried to they tried to go for it on fourth down uh, in minus territory and failed. I think they had fourth and two, as yeah. I recall. Yeah. Um, so I I, uh, I guess it was just noticeable because it's not normally what we do. I you know normally we we've, we've always taken the high road and demonstrated great sportsmanship and at that moment those people that really pay attention to that stuff they couldn't help but notice because we're we're actually trying to score points even though we got the game on ice and we can just take an in right at the clock yeah and uh, the, so, the one thing i thought like you, the thing that bothers me is we shouldn't even be in this predicament with whether we were trying to uh, give brian more points or or not, you know, we shouldn't even be in that spot because we shouldn't have this silly rule hanging over us with how many points per game we can score. No, that's what I completely agree with. And I guess I'm confused, though. If the points are such a big deal with Kirk, why wouldn't he go for the field goal against Utah State? And then he then two weeks later, he decides to get six more points as opposed to three when they already had more than 25 points to begin with. I, I, I guess – and the other thing I was wondering about, Don, I've covered – you guys for a lot of years and seen a lot of routes, but I've right. rarely seen a six-team running back in the game because lots of times a six-team running back may not even have figure into any plans. This was a unique situation because two of their top three running backs were hurt, so the pecking order moved everybody up. What I'm saying is if they hadn't had the situation with Max White, I'm guessing maybe Terrell Washington or Kamari Moulton may have been told to take a knee. I Maybe I'm giving Kirk too much credit. I think the circumstance with – Max White to Kirk was more important than the points. But do you not see it that way? Well, I just wish I would have had any issues at all with Max White scoring a touchdown. I just hated that it happened in the, at the same exact time that we typically take a knee. Mm-hmm. If, it have, if it would have happened um, a few plays earlier, you know, where the clock could not be run out, then it would have not been such a such a departure from what we've done in the past. That's all. Okay, no, I get you. And here we are talking about this because of the amendments. And, of course, right. the national media pounced all over it. And, I, I, and they're calling it the drive to 325 point-wise and whatever. This is going to be an ongoing story. And I don't have anything personal against Gary, but Gary Barta, but he left them in this position. He 
I mean, he he basically never took a stand with Kirk for years on anything, and then he does this thing before leaving and retiring. Now he doesn't have to deal with the follow. Well, people ask, why doesn't Beth Getz change that? I mean, first of all, I don't think she can. She's the interim AD right now, and if she did, she'd be accused of being weak and being in Kirk's back pocket. So these amendments are a joke. Don't you agree? They accomplish nothing. Yeah, I just hate that. Yeah, I guess if we wanted, if we needed to do it for whatever reason, we thought we needed to do it. Was there any requirement that it be publicized? Is it, is it a matter of public record that we? You know what I'm saying? No, Can I no, I that? no, I agree with you. When they released, I'm like, why are they releasing this? Chances are nobody yeah. would have filed a Freedom of Information Act unless they had heard a rumor about him. But no, they put him out there. I I think Gary thought that was going to appease Iowa fans. Look, they're taking a stand, but it just backfired. Well, it's a little bit insulting to the Iowa fans, even simply because the bar is not that high. Well, you know, if we another thing, uh, yes. Yeah, I mean, if you average twenty-five points per game, and of course we're we're recognizing that that includes defensive touchdowns and includes all the points related to field goals and PATs, then um, you know why 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 is this even? An issue. I think if you have it's 25 points a game, we're talking about just total scoring. Yeah. 25 points a game will get you ranked about 80th or 90th on an average year, I think. Oh, yeah. No, it was basically. National ranking. It's not that high. No, you're right. Yeah. They're basically saying to Brian, you got to be like a C student to get your contract back. That's what they're. Yeah. And the number, frankly, doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean anything. I mean, you know, you can. You can do that by piling up points against a weak opponent, but the bigger challenge is can you go out and score, if you could score 21 points in every game, that would be a, a more logical goal for an offense to have, frankly, because you can't just pile up points against somebody that that you're beating up on. If you, I mean, let's face it, if you get 21 points in every game with our defense, you probably are 12-0. Yeah, you very well could be. Yeah, and that's the challenge. It's hard to do, believe me. But you can aspire to do it. I mean, it doesn't have to be a matter of public record even. You can simply have that as a team goal. We had a goal when you were at Western Illinois to score 28 points in every game. Well, that's really a lofty goal because if you score 28 in every game, you probably do average 40 or 45. Um, but the point with our offense at Western was if we can score 28 in every game, then we will be unbeaten. We'll, we will have done our job really well. Mm-hmm. And our defense is good enough. That will allow us to win every game. Uh, and the irony there is one, one year, Coach Fry did call me and congratulate me. We had a really good team. It was a year we played at LSU, and you've heard about the LSU game. Uh, the year they won the national title. Later in that season, we did lose one other game. We lost 54 to 52, if you can imagine, uh, at Southern Illinois. That was coached at the time by Jerry Kill. Uh-huh. You know about Coach Kill, of sure. course, excellent coach. Mm-hmm. And Coach Fry called up after the game and said, "Coach Patterson, congratulations! You did something I was never able to do in my coaching career." And I said, "What's that, Coach?" And he said, "You scored 52 points and managed to lose." <laughs> And I said, thanks a lot. I really appreciate that, you know, jokingly. <laughs> he was laughing, of course. Uh-huh. But, but the point is, uh, if you score 28 points in every game with our defense, well, not even 28. If you score 21 in every game, that's an accomplishment. Oh, I agree. Let's face it, there are some good defenses on our schedule. It's not going to be easy to get 21 in, in every game. Especially this week. Uh, but that's a better measure of, of offensive scoring consistency, of course, than averaging 25. 
Uh, you know, averaging 25, you might have a couple of 40-somethings in there. Mm-hmm. Which and now averaging 25 is not such a big deal. That's why that's why averaging 25 will get you a ranking of about 90 out of 131 teams. So, Don, you know Kirk better than I do. Why do you think he didn't go for the points against Utah State, but he did in this situation? I mean, because they both add up and they're both I, – I, I can't get it. What, what do you think his thinking was? Well, I guess – I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, game one, of course, maybe we thought at the time we've got 24 against Utah State. That's um, that's pretty much on what we need is the average 25. So we're we're one point shy. Oh, was it 22? What was it? Was 24-14? 24-14. Yeah, because I jokingly said when we made 23 with our touchdown, I said, "Well, uh, I'm guessing we're not going to go for two here just to satisfy that requirement of averaging 25." That would have been kind of crazy to go for two. Um, that would have probably been a story on Sports Centers. We went for two when we were when we already had. Oh yeah, if he did something like that, and it, yeah, it would be everybody would be mocking it. Sports Center would be yeah. doing. They'd be all over the place for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, exactly. So well, so go ahead. Anyway, I just hate that we're in this spot that we have to. Yes, we have to even talk about it. That's the problem with the scene. The other thing that I think, especially the national media overlooks, Don. If he doesn't meet these requirements, he's not necessarily done. He's not fired. There's nothing in the language that I've seen or anything that I've been told. All that happens is that contract, they could just rip up the contract and give him a new one next year. He could be co-offensive coordinator next year with the guy they brought. There's so, But he's not necessarily terminated if he doesn't meet the well, requirements. Which, which begs the question, why do we bother to even write it up if, I don't, if it really doesn't have any teeth? I don't understand, and Gary Barta never really, I don't know if anyone even asked him about it. They came out in late February, I believe, early March. Gary's yeah. done by August. I don't recall Gary ever really addressing it. I, I don't get it. No, there, he's, but the national media seems to believe that if he doesn't meet these things, he's done. And I've seen nothing in writing that says that, and nobody from the university has told me that either. Nothing is, is concrete. So to me, these amendments were, I don't know what they were. I don't know what Gary thought he was accomplishing with these things. I mean, they do. Well, one thing I'm, one thing I'm thankful for, it's been kind of a novel storyline here in the early season for writers, even writers, of course, that don't normally cover Iowa. But they get wind of it, and all of a sudden, it's a it's a story that they think is going to be worth putting into print. Uh, but the one thing I am grateful for, uh, their non-conference season is done now. Yes. Now that we get into conference play, maybe it won't be such a big story. Let's face it: if we if we beat Penn State seventeen to fourteen, uh, is there any reason to agonize about not making it to twenty five? No, nobody no. will. I mean, no. Yeah, nope. I mean. And it's realistic, of course, that it would be a 17 to 14 score. So I'm, what I'm hoping is, as the conference race gets under underway, then it'll be a lesser and lesser story. I'm with you on that Cause, one. Because the only story that matters is, did you were you able to beat another Big Ten opponent? And uh, of course, if we don't pile up a big score against Northwestern, people are going to wonder why we didn't do that. Maybe it'll be a story that week. Um, yeah, because it'll be a, a chance to put up more points than 25 and do we take advantage of that chance or not that'll be the storyline i guess that week okay but in the meantime of course we just got to figure out how to how to how to beat penn state by one and i don't really care if it's if it's three to two or 17 to 16 it doesn't matter just so we have one more point than they do well they beat them six to four one time so anything is 
possible. But yeah, maybe I, like I said, maybe I was wrong. Um, cause my gut reaction to that thing was, nope, I think he's doing this more because of who the kid is in that situation as opposed to the points. But I mean, a lot of people said that I was nothing but a Homer hack and, you know, a Kirk apologist and w- whatever. That's just how I well, felt. It sounds to me like Max White. I don't know how old Max White is. It sounds like he's been in the program for at least two or three years. Yeah. He's, right? I believe he's a third year. Sophomore. I don't have the roster in front of me, but yeah, he, well, I do know this cause I can flash back on it. When a player that has taken his lumps on the scout team that has been on the team uh, and, and been toiling in anonymity for several years when he gets on the field uh, that's a big deal to the other players on the team and if he can score that's an even bigger oh, deal. Oh it was huge you could tell by how they reacted. Yeah exactly. Sounds like Max, Max White's a great kid uh, his job is simply to prepare the defense for the next game uh, and, and scout team duty of course uh, is a great chance to build character because you're going to you're going to get physically challenged to play that position because uh, you're going to get hit right and left, and that's your job is to is to be sure. Well, I used to always remind the guys on the scout team, the reason we played well defensively today is because of the look that you guys gave us mm-hmm. during the week. The same can be said for the scout team defense, of course. Sure, we executed well Saturday on Saturday because of the look that you gave us during the week. It was a good impersonation of the other team. So hats off to all you guys on the scout team for doing your job so well. And for understanding that it matters a lot how well you do it. And I'm sure Kirk preaches that same message to his scout team players. And that's kind of what I bought into when I wrote my postgame column with my initial. And Max White does play on special teams. He does figure in their game plan. And Because, Don, do you always have – I mean, is I can't recall always having six – running backs dressed for games is that a little unusual but i think max white since he plays on special teams but uh, did you guys always have six running backs dressed or maybe i'm wrong oh my gosh it's hard to imagine that we had that many here's a logical question was number two dressed on the sideline i wouldn't i never actually no saw caleb him. was I, out I, I, caleb caleb was out and jay on patterson didn't play he played a couple plays he was dinged up too so that's what i was saying they moved up in a normal game max white wouldn't have played in a normal blowout he would not have well, played let me back. let me back up one thing i observed because i wrote it down because i thought well i didn't expect that max white was in the game at running back late in the first quarter i wrote it down yeah, he. I think he did. Um, I think he did get a. I think they put him into maybe. pass block. I do remember seeing Max White out there because I remember saying something. To yeah, the now maybe said, it was only for one snap. I think I it was know, for but, one snap. I think it was just for one. Clearly, snap. the game was in doubt. I mean, my gosh, it was early in the game, and he's out there on the field in the first quarter, and it wouldn't have happened, I guess, except like you said, uh, you know, number two was out, number nine was out, at least not really available. Uh, and and we can talk, of course, about all three of those guys being uh, more than capable of being a starting running back. Uh, I was happy for LeSean because it sounds like he's also a great young man. He is. Uh, you know, those guys all understand it's not about me; it's all about us. Yep. And um, and you know when your when your number's called, you got to be ready to go because you're not just playing for yourself; you're playing for your teammates too. Mm-hmm. And um, and give LaShawn credit. He was ready to roll. He, he did a good job. And I think with the freshmen, they can play in four games and still redshirt. So I don't right. know if Jay getting hurt, maybe. Because ideally, I would think they would like to have either Molten, one of the freshmen play this year, and the other one redshirt. Uh, but still yeah. appear in four games. So maybe that was in their thought process. 
But like I said, I just thought it was unique that they had a six-team running back in that circumstance. Yeah. I mean, Terrell Washington didn't get a touchdown, but he did get six carries for 31 yards and mm-hmm. whatever. But like you said, Don, it's just something we're going to have to deal with. My concern is every new media presence is going to want to talk about it. You know, right. let, let's say they – they get let's say they scored 24 points at Penn State I could see the Penn State writers asking Kirk about it was was it on your and see that's my concern is that it's not going to go away from that regard but let's shift away from that I want to ask you I wrote a column um, yesterday and it wasn't meant as criticism it was more of an observation all I wrote and I think it's a no-brainer I just think for Iowa to have one of those special double-digit win seasons and to contend seriously for the Big Ten title Cade McNamara has to play better do you think that's fair yes Okay, explain your side, your thoughts. Well, it's fair because we simply um, have lost out on a few too many opportunities here in the early season. Uh, and the obvious example is, is yesterday in the first half. You know, we had some opportunities that we were not able to take advantage of. And, and, and Cade, you know, we expect great things from Cade, and it's not easy to deliver on great things, but that's, that's what we hope for, and that's what Kate hopes for, too. Right? That's what he aspires to do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we simply didn't get that, that get that done. You know, that interception on the seam throw, uh, it, was a, it was a really good play by that, it was. that defender. It was. Great um, anticipation. But it also was not a great decision by uh, by Cade to throw it, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm looking at the down and distance. Let me see if I can find it right quick. 30 seconds left before halftime. I mean, they, you know, at worst they were going to get oh, a field goal. No, I'm sorry, on that one. Okay, I was talking about the first one. Oh, the first, the first one. one was a, a, yeah, the first one was a great play by that underneath defender. That was. Yeah. Uh, but let's talk about the second one because that's, that's worth discussing. Which I too. thought was another good play by the defender, but it was just I don't know why he threw it. Well, if you go back and look, he, he looked and looked and looked and looked a long time to his left. The guy that made the pick, if you go back and look at the end zone version, uh, when when Cade first started looking left mm-hmm. on that play, he was way inside the hash mark. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm talking about not too far from the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the ball was in the air a long time, of course, but what gave him a chance to start working that way was Cade's eyes. You know, Cade stared down that receiver, uh-huh. and, and good quarterbacks know better, and Cade knows better, too, and he's going to be angry at himself when he realizes that he did that, but that's what he did. And... Um, and Brian was upset, of course, because yes, <clears throat> back across the field, there was another guy that did open up, uh, but that guy would not have maybe scored a touchdown, and that was, as I recall, uh, Nico. Uh, but it would have been a, a throw and a catch, you know, down to the 10-yard line maybe, and maybe we would have scored still before the half. But the thing that upset me, I, Brian was upset at Cade. Well, Brian's the one that put him in that spot because – the more logical play, let's face it, it's 14 to 10. Three points is huge at that point. Mm-hmm. We're on the 31-yard line. We're already in field goal range. Is it hard to imagine that if we call for any running play that we don't pick up five yards? Because uh, we've been picking up five yards on most of them anyway. And we took up five more yards, and now it's a routine field goal uh, that gives us a seven-point lead. So a field goal could have been big there for another reason. We always talk about finishing the half with momentum. Mm -hmm. And obviously, three points before the half is better than none. And we had to settle for none, as it turned out. So that's a play that, that's a ball that was forced into coverage. 
and we had to we had to pay the price. You know, we turned it over. Um, so that's unfortunate, but that's what happened. Uh, the more logical play, not that the, you know, you can take a shot at the end zone, but you better recognize that may kill any chances we have for picking up three. Mm-hmm. Because the ball may end up being turned over, and that's that's exactly what happened. And that D-back did have four interceptions last year. He's got a knack for the football, and he made a nice play on that. Cade was 9 of 19 for 103 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. I mean, he's 38 of 71 for 417 yards. I just wrote, he's been way more ordinary than extraordinary. I don't think he has to be just legendary for Iowa to be special, but, but Don, he's got to be a lot better than ordinary, doesn't he, for them? I mean, he's got to yeah. be pretty good well, this year. Well, one thing you need to realize, too, one of the reasons uh, his completion percentage is not maybe that much higher than what Spencer's was, Cage's uh, percentage involves more throws down the field. It does. You know, one thing we have done, we've committed ourselves to taking shots down the field. And even if the percentage is not what we want it to be, I'm still glad that we're doing it. I'm with you. Because yeah. we are challenging teams down the field more than we did a year ago uh, by a long shot. That's a good point. And, and obviously, if you throw it further down the field, your, your completion percentage is not going to be as high as you do on short throws. Yesterday, they did flash up a graphic talking about about Cade's uh, very more than acceptable completion percentage on short throws. So uh, it gets back to what you're saying. Uh, you know, in the past, if we've been guilty of anything, it's, we've been guilty of giving, giving our quarterbacks a lot of high-percentage throws that simply don't produce a lot of yards. And, um, and, and Or the way people would talk about it as it relates to Spencer, they would say he's risk-averse, mm-hmm. third down and 10. You don't, you don't throw the ball for first down yardage. You dump the ball off um, for a gain of four. You still punt. But at least you had a completion. Well, you know, completion percentage is not going to be as high when you take shots down the field. And, and uh, I don't doubt at the end of the season, Kate's completion percentage is going to be higher than it is right now, simply because I think he's going to be in a better groove going forward. And the only reason he wouldn't be is if he's, uh, you know, got issues with uh, with injuries that are nagging and. Hopefully, we're going to get better with those nagging injuries on a weekly basis. Yeah, I did bring that up. I said, in fairness, he's been out for, he missed over a week of preseason, and that matters. And he also didn't have much of a running game in their first two games. I mean, he didn't have, that was what was so weird about Saturday. The Iowa offensive line just had a a huge surge throughout that whole game. You saw it, Don. They had play action, and yet he just seemed a little off. And he's, on some of those deep throws you bring up, he's missed some wide open targets on deep throws, too. I'd like to think as he plays more that he'll start hitting those. So, now, right. do they, in your mind, if you're Brian, do you come out really aggressive for Penn State, or do you come out oh more conservative? We can't turn the ball over and risk letting them get a fast start. How do you approach this? Well, here's what I'm hoping, and sometimes you have this working in your favor. <clears throat> Let's imagine you're going up against a, a tough opponent on the road, especially. <clears throat> Hopefully, as you're game planning for the game, you find you find a weakness in their in their defensive structure. <clears throat> and you find something that no one's exported yet. And I know you might, you might ask the question, well, how often does that happen? Well, if you look long enough and hard enough, you'll probably find something that, that as you look at it, you're thinking, I can't believe they played three games and nobody's, nobody's taking advantage of this because it's there. Mm-hmm. You know, we can look at it on video. It's there. And no one has actually exported it yet. Uh, and, and uh, maybe we're the first ones that, 
have a chance to do it. If you can find a weakness in their defense like that, I would certainly recommend, and it's typically what we used to do, if we saw a weakness, we were going to run that play in the first quarter. We're going to run it early because mm-hmm. uh, if, we, if we're basing it on other games, as soon as they confirm that they're going to continue to play that same way, then we're going to, we're going to run that play. That makes sense. No reason to keep it. So if you have a, uh, maybe a good example that comes to mind, maybe that's one reason they were able to, to get us early on. Uh, and we, let's talk about that play on defense. Uh, that play was 64 yards. Let me find it down in distance. You're talking about the one, the on long it. pass play? Yeah. Didn't, 37 didn't... on the minus 36. Here's what happened on that play. Now, maybe they saw this in previous games. I don't know. Uh-huh. But I give them credit for running a good play. Um, the, um, it, was a, it was a vertical route by yeah. the outside receiver. Uh, and we had, uh, let's see, uh, it was a trips formation. There were three receivers to that side. Uh-huh. Uh, to the wide field, the ball was on the right hash. 64-yard touchdown versus cover two. Cornerback, uh, no disruption on the outside go. On the outside receiver, he ran an outside release versus the corner. I looked long and hard to figure out for sure what the coverage was. Harris was lined up about seven yards deep, but he did not retreat. So, uh, And based on the depth of, of Xavier, I suspect it really was a half coverage. It certainly appeared to be to me. Uh, so Xavier had um, good depth. He's clearly in deep coverage. Uh, but I really do believe that there's fault on the part of both players on that play. The outside receiver released outside, uh, and Jamari did not get any kind of disruption on his route at all. Mm-hmm. So he releases into the hole, as we call it. The hole is that part of the that part of that half coverage that's hard to defend. Mm-hmm. So if you can imagine drawing a box, uh, you know, with um, – the corner and the safety on opposite sides of the box. One would be on the low, on the low outside of the box, and the other one would be on the high inside of the box. Right? Mm-hmm. Can you envision that? Yes. Well, the the hole in that box would be the other corner uh, that's downfield from the cornerback alignment. You follow me? Yes. So you got to protect that hole. How do you do that? You protect that hole by the corner disrupting the route of that receiver. Sure. You don't just let him get off and run. No. Okay, I, I get you. Because you're going to get to the hole too quickly. And I'm picturing it in my uh, and, head. Yeah, because I yeah, – yeah. Can you envision that? Yeah. And the other problem, clearly the, the half player has got to be aware of the deepest receiver in his zone. That's, that, I can still hear Bill Brazier saying, you have to honor the deepest receiver in your zone. Well, if you're playing half coverage and the deepest receiver is that outside receiver mm-hmm. on the boundary, you got to be over there to, to defend the ball. And, of course – uh, Xavier was uh, too flat. He got a little preoccupied with other routes that are inside. I already mentioned it was a trip formation. There are other receivers that are working downfield too, but only one of them is going deep, mm-hmm. and that's the guy he's got to defend. And the other thing, Don, he was, it was too flat. He got beat over the top, uh, and he was not wide enough either. And again, the ball was the ball was maybe all the way to the right hash. It was certainly on the right it was right side of the field. Yep. So we didn't defend the hole. And the responsibility, as I see it, uh, involves both the corner and the safety. Uh-huh. They they were both they both contributed to the bad play. The other thing, Don, it was a perfectly thrown ball too. I mean, it was. I mean, yes, it, it was. I made that comment. I said, let's give Western credit. That was a very well executed. It was play on their part, 
and it, it takes a, a well-executed play to beat a to beat a good defense, of course. And they beat us with good execution on that play. I simply put, their execution was better than ours. Yeah. And on the second long one, it looked like Schulte bit. Am I wrong on that? Um, uh, it looks like you're just... correct. And I'm I'm glad you brought that up because that's something that Schulte normally doesn't Never do. Never does. Uh, and let's talk about eye discipline. I guarantee you, they're gonna, they're talking about eye discipline. Uh, with our defense, because we learned some valuable lessons in that first half. Uh, you you need to carry out your responsibilities. You need to have good eye discipline, and you cannot just go willy nilly anywhere you want to on the field. You have to be. You have to maintain the integrity of the defense. I'll give you another example. We got really injured on zone zone read, right? Mm-hmm. Quarterback keeping the ball, <clears throat> and we all know. We all appreciate. That uh, that Joe Evans is an aggressive player. You know he's one of our most active rushers. But what they did more than once, they ran a zone play. They read the defensive end. If the defensive end closed hard inside, they pulled the ball and ran with it. Uh, did they ever? They ran with it for a gain of 29, gain of seven, gain of 15, gain of nine. That's their first four zone reads were for. Um, 36, 51, 60 yards. That's a lot of yards. 60 yards on the first four plays mm-hmm. where they kept the ball. And and it was not just out there on your own. They also had a guy that was in position to block our defender on that side of the field, too. So there was nobody left in the alley there. As soon as they pulled the ball and ran up the alley, they were going to run for a lot of yards. Uh, 29 yards the first time, and then 7, then 15, then 9. So those four plays all hurt us. Let's face it, that was a big part of their running game. It was. was pulling the ball and letting the quarterback carry it. Uh, finally, the fifth time they did it, they only gained one. Uh, but that wasn't the red zone. Maybe that's one reason we played it better, is they were already threatening their goal line. But it always gets back to eye discipline again. And then you talk about Quinn's place. Quinn's been such a reliable player. Well, he's only human. He got fooled, too. Uh, and it was good execution on on their part, it they was. motioned the outside receiver into a slot position, and then they ran play action, crack and go. Crack and go, beat Schulte for 48 yards. So that motion man that moved inside, he took an angle like he was going to block the guy right there in front of Schulte. Schulte's eyes, he assumed he was going to crack on our defender that was just a little bit closer to the ball than Schulte was. His eyes were on the ball, and not on that receiver that was a threat to beat him down the field. Mm-hmm. And and sure enough, the ball gets pulled with good play action, and Schulte's beaten. Uh, and they make a good throw, and we're off to the races again. That was a game of 48. Must have your eyes on the deepest threat. That's what Schulte's going to hear. And the deepest threat is that motion man that, that uh, appeared to maybe be blocking inside, but he wasn't. He was simply... Uh, he was simply uh, breaking down like he was going to block the guy that was there as a threat to the ball, but then he released off that off that angle, and then by then Schulte's eyes were already down toward the ball, and and he cleared Schulte before Schulte realized. It. So you think if you're James Franklin, you see this tape. I mean, obviously Penn State's offense. Drew Aller's a different type of quarterback. He's more of a pro style. But anything that James Franklin saw on Saturday, thinking, "Ah, we might be able to, uh, we might be able to find some weaknesses in there." Or do you think it's just completely different styles? Because Penn State has a great tailback combination, maybe the best in the country. Anything yeah, that you saw? I would saw- say it this way. I would say it this way. I think the matter of routine. I got to believe that Phil Parker thinks a lot like Bill Brazier thought. 
if somebody runs something and takes advantage of us, then we have to be sure that we don't give that same thing up next, a week later. Okay. So those those corrections have to be made. Uh, it might be a, a slightly different version of that same problem that we had, but it all starts with just honoring your responsibility first, being a little more disciplined. Let's face it, one reason we've had such outstanding defense is because we've been a very disciplined mm-hmm. defense. We've honored our responsibilities first, especially if it involves some kind of deep coverage. So, um, you know, we're going to get tested. It might be a, another version of that same play uh, that we that we gave up uh, on Saturday. Uh, but certainly it might be a play that resembles the one that Western Michigan gave us. And that's what good teams do. They just check to be sure that you got it corrected. I wouldn't be surprised at all if we see variations of those two plays. Okay. Okay. All right, here's a question. And if not, if, if not this week, then maybe the, the following week. Okay. That's a possibility, too. Here's a... So just because you get beaten once doesn't mean somebody's not going to try to do it to you again. Okay. Here's a question for you. This is actually from Frank's son, my nephew. He wants to know, Don, do you think Brian will have any special packages for Penn State, and could you see Iowa using Cooper DeGene either as a decoy on offense or as a target on offense? Or do you think that's just outside chatter and, and Kirk would never do something like that? Well, there's certainly a possibility. We know this. To beat a really good team, you got to have a few wrinkles, things okay. they haven't seen. Uh, and that would be one example, of course, uh, would be to put Cooper out there on the field. Incidentally, easy to brag on Cooper for his punt returns. Yeah. He is not your average Joe with the ball under his arm. He's better than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, five returns to 77 yards, and a couple of them, he kind of reminded me of Tim Dwight a little bit. Mm-hmm. Now, he's not as fast as Tim Dwight, but he's got that same capability of changing directions and accelerating uh, and being difficult to to, to contain. Uh, you know, he may he may start one way and then end up another direction going across the field uh, on punt. And uh, in that regard, if we uh, if we do put Cooper on the field, you bring up a good point. Uh, I think you remember me talking about this with Desmond King. You know, one of my recommendations one time was uh, everybody wants Desmond King on offense. This is really simple. Let's put him out there, and then let's just use, it, use him as a decoy. That doesn't require any practice time. You know, he just simply needs to know, what do you want me to do? Uh, maybe it's to fake a reverse rather than run a reverse. Mm-hmm. Well, is it hard to imagine if if uh, if Cooper DeGene is is in our backfield uh, and in close proximity to the football, is it any imagine that we might be giving it to him? Uh, it'd be a great opportunity to use him as a, as a decoy. Uh, so maybe we'll use him as a as a real player. Maybe he will be our, our Wildcat quarterback. I don't know. Uh, the only negative about doing it with him and actually in, involving him carrying the football is, again, there's a, there's always some risk of injury, of yes. course. Mm-hmm. And there's risk of injury with every snap he plays on defense, too, of course. Uh, but just be aware that you're exposing him a little bit. Uh, and, and let's face it, if he's out there for an offensive snap, i got to give Penn State credit. They probably know. Uh, they probably know him by jersey number, and they know him even for how he looks. Do we have another number three on our team? Yeah, yes, Taylor, we do. Taylor Brown. Yeah, he is an offensive player, so maybe we would fool him. I realize, of course, one's a, a black player and one's a white player, so I don't think they're going to be dumb enough to think that's Caleb. <laughs> uh, but maybe, I guess, somebody might think it's the usual number three on offense. Uh, but, uh, but it does bring up a good point. Uh, <clears throat> 
you know, when you if you're gonna if you're gonna actually hand him the ball, uh, uh, an alert defense is already gonna realize that that Cooper's on the field. They're not gonna be too surprised if you give him the ball. I don't think we're gonna put him in to be a lead blocker for another that. ball here. So just realize you're exposing him to to defensive players that are gonna be trying to put him on the ground. That's assuming he has the ball, of course. Uh, so that is a uh, and and brings up a good point. After he had five returns for seventy-seven yards, I couldn't help but notice, and I thought it was a good decision on our part. I don't know who made the decision. Maybe it was strictly Kirk, but later in the game, Cooper was headed back to field another punt, and I don't know if you noticed, but uh, I know that Kirk was involved because I remember seeing that at the time. Even Kirk's like, "No, no, no, you're out." And uh, and Weijin, you're in, mm-hmm. and and I, I like Caden Weijin too. Uh, he looked good on kickoff returns. He under, he's got good speed too. He uh, he hits the hits the return with a lot of uh, ferocity. That is what you need to do, of course, uh, for a chance to bust a big return. Uh, and he's already proven that he's a capable fielder of punts. Mm-hmm. So he's a he's a good backup to Cooper as a punt returner. And let's face it, if the game is in good shape. Uh, you know, it makes even more sense to put Wigeon back there because why should we subject uh, Cooper? Let's face it. One thing they could do: imagine a team's down by three touchdowns, and your star your star cornerback is back there filling punts. You might be frustrated with the way the game's going anyway, so you just choose to blow up the punt returner. Yeah, you get thrown out of the game, but you know maybe you injure the punt returner too. I, I realize that's a very unethical thing to do, but these are, you know, these are some sometimes teenagers that are covering a punt. So, you know, maybe they they don't do it to try to hurt the guy. They just do it because they're angry with the way the game's gone. And, you know, maybe Cooper's already returned an interception for a touchdown. Do you think they might want to try to inflict harm on him on a, on a punt return? Well, you, you know, maybe he's signal for a catch and they simply run run through him. You, uh, in, the, in the old days, I remember one time, uh, Arizona had a great cornerback. He was a first-round draft pick. It was their punt returner, and and I believe it was Tim Dwight that did it. I think. Chris McAllister. I think it was Tim. Yeah, Chris McAllister. Yeah, McAllister. Uh, that punt returner got run into with a hard head. He left the game, and back in those days, it was simply a a halo violation. It was a five-yard penalty. It was a hard hit. It wasn't a it wasn't a a, a targeting situation. It was just a really hard hit that. Was done in his rib area, you know, and it took him out of the game. Uh, that was, I jokingly said, that's the best five yard penalty we'll ever have because we eliminated an all American corner on the play. That wasn't our intent to do that, but it's the way it worked out. You saw the Colorado, Colorado State. Did you watch any of the Colorado, Colorado State game? I did. Did you see the dirty hit by that safety early on that knocked Travis? Well, actually sent Travis Hunter to the hospital. Yeah. I, I mean, did. were you surprised he wasn't kicked out of the game? Uh, yeah, a little bit. You know, I, I could see where, uh, if you want to nitpick, you could argue, well, it wasn't helmet to helmet. Uh, it was a really hard hit. I think there was a little bit of helmet to helmet on that play, but a lot of it was just through his shoulder. Yeah, hit him in the midsection. Know? Yeah. 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 Or maybe even his ribs, like you say. Uh, but, um, the, the crazy part there, you've heard me say this. I mean, my gosh, it's fine to spot a guy on the other side of the ball. But who ever heard of playing 120, 130 snaps in a game? Um, you know, that, to me, you're just asking for a guy to be injured. Yeah, that's what this <clears> kid's <throat> been doing. It's incredible what he's been. And speaking of that game, I'll tell you what, Don. Um, Shadir Sanders showed me uh, 
that scoring drive to tie that game, that was incredible. I mean, just, uh, I mean, he, I mean, how poised he was and how accurate he was as a quarterback, it was pretty impressive, wasn't it? Because, I mean, Nevada, or not Nevada, I'm sorry, Colorado State had that game. And they, I mean, but sometimes you have to give credit to the opponent for just making plays, right? Yeah, I, I do think there's, there's a lot of truth to that. What I don't know, I'd be curious. Uh, I, I did hear a, a sideline interview with Jay, and Jay correctly made the point. He just he didn't say, you know, we're getting screwed by the officials. He simply said, we sure are drawing a lot of fouls. I've never seen this many fouls. They had a ton of penalties. Uh, and the penalties were one-sided. So it, the obvious question, um, is that a Pac-12 crew? I don't know if yeah, it is know. or not. A lot of times, just as we do with Iowa State, it's always the uh, the visiting team's officials, right? Usually, uh, if yes. If they're playing yeah. names, it's a mm-hmm. Big Ten crew. If they're yes. playing over here, it's a Big 12 crew. So I don't know who the officials were, uh, but it did look like um, uh, Colorado State was drawing a lot of penalties, that's for sure. Yeah, they were, and I'll tell you what, they were better than I thought. I didn't think the game would be as close. I didn't realize Colorado State had the kind of weapons they do on that Tory Horton, I believe is his name. He's a future NFL receiver. He was incredible. But, no, it was a fun game to watch. But going back to the Big Ten now, Don, the Big Ten West, I don't want to sound too critical, but, man, it, if, if, if ever there was a division that's there for the taking for Iowa, this is it this year. I mean, Minnesota didn't fire much of a shot down at North Carolina. I mean, did, did I see? I haven't looked at Purdue lose at home to Virginia Tech. You know, I don't know how that game turned out. I, I haven't even had Virginia Tech's not very good. Right. Vitek is not, not the Virginia Tech of old, I think, safe to say. Uh, who, who did we have go down there and beat them a week earlier? Uh, who beat who? Um, Virginia Tech was beaten by – God, who were they beaten by? They were beaten at uh, home. Was it, it was a real – I can't – it was a disappointing – Oh, it was Purdue, wasn't it? No, I thought – I'm sorry. Purdue was this week. Purdue, Purdue was, was this week. was this week, wasn't it? Yeah, and then yeah. Illinois, obviously, I mean – they're not what they were last year. They had five turnovers against Penn State. Their offense is really struggling, and we've seen Nebraska. I mean, Don, I think – and I, I watched a little bit of the Wisconsin-Georgia's. I'm not that impressed with Wisconsin. I think right now, if Cade, especially if Cade can just play a little better, I think Iowa is the best team in the West. Do you? Well, certainly you would – I think there wouldn't be much argument that we have the best defense in the West. Oh, I agree with that. Uh, By the way – And um, for that sir, matter, the best uh, kicking game in the West, so – if our offense can just be more productive, which is certainly a very um, achievable goal, that we're going to be more productive going forward than what we've already been, then, yeah, we have a, we have a great chance to win the West. And as we've already discussed, uh, of course we want to beat Penn State. We're going to do everything. We're going to move heaven and earth to beat Penn State this weekend. The good news, if we fail with our goal, uh, we still have fate in our own hands. All yep. we have to do is rule the West. Yep, that's yep. it. Sir, uh, Purdue and, lost um, to Syracuse 35-20. to 20. That's right. Was Syracuse. that this weekend? Yes. Okay, okay. So then, why was I thinking Virginia so Tech? It was that was the week before. That was the week. week before. Okay. Yeah, so, okay. But they lost to Syracuse 35-20 Saturday. And Syracuse beat... Yeah. Syracuse beat Western 48-7. to So, I mean, it's hard to read these things. But I just don't see a real great team in the West right now. And if anyone has a chance, it's Iowa because of special teams and defense. At least that's where I sit right now. Yes, and an offense that, that I will predict will only get better and better. Now, Don, we haven't talked about it, but one of the worst things about football, of course, are injuries and Luke Lachey's. I mean, right when it happened, 
it did not look good. I know some people who had seats right by there, and they texted me and said it looked like – I mean, it looked like a fractured ankle or something like that. I mean, just – it's going to be a significant loss, but, man, thank goodness for Eric All, right? What a transfer. Absolutely. Uh, Eric will step up, and for that matter, uh, Stelianos and Estringa will step up, too. They all have too. to, yep. Yeah, we're going to be okay there. Uh, I hate to lose Luke. He's one of my favorite players me just too. because of how he plays the game and just a great young man. And with just a little bit of luck, uh, and Kirk's already said it, it's significant, significant. I think, is the way he put it. Uh, he's going to miss some time, but uh, it's amazing what they can do with, with medical treatment, uh, unless there's a break, of course. If you have a break, then it's just got to have time to heal. But mm-hmm. if we're lucky, it's not a break, and uh, it's maybe. We could be hopeful and think that he's going to be back in three or four weeks. It's hard to imagine he's not going to be out for at least several games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's really and, up. And he may be out for the year, and I just hope that's not the case because uh, it's just so unfortunate that it happened. It wasn't a malicious play. No. Uh, you know, the guy came in kind of high with his weight, and he, he kind of fell on on Luke's right leg You know, with a lot of weight and a lot of force, and, that, and the leg kind of got pinned under it him. Did. So I'm I'm afraid of what the injury might be, and and um, um, I just hope it's not Luke's last games uh, playing on the field for Iowa. I hope hope he's not done, and hope he's uh, I don't even know does he have another year available? Oh yeah, he does. He, he does. Okay, but I've also good. seen him on a lot of NFL draft boards. Now I don't know how this will impact that. I mean, his right. body of work is pretty good. I mean, he had almost 400 receiving yards last year, and he had over half of their touchdowns last year. So he's been there and done it. But, yeah, I don't know. To me, had he continued to play this year and made all Big Ten, I think he would have been gone. I don't know if this changes. Selfishly, I'd love to have him come back because he is a great kid. He's a fun kid to interview, yeah. and he's just um, he's just such a big part of the offense. But, like we said, Eric All. He's been there and done it too. These second and third team tight ends, Don. That's where the those are the guys that really have to step up now, right? Yeah, they do. And, and the, the good thing about it, we've already seen them play quite a bit in these first three games. Uh, and between the two of them, they had four catches for forty eight yards. Mm-hmm. So that's good to see. They certainly proven already they can they can catch the ball. They understand the offense. Maybe they don't understand it as well as as our top two tight ends, but. But they're young and they're going to learn. And of course, from one week to the next, now if they, if they realize they're going to get more playing time, they're going to be given more snaps mm-hmm. in practice, obviously, and that's going to give them a better chance to be fully prepared to play on Saturday. Don, I heard Urban Meyer say, I think it was before the game Saturday, that this is the best Penn State team he's seen in at least 15 years. Do you agree with that, or do you think it's too early? You know, I haven't seen enough of them to to know that for sure, but but I suspect it's. Uh, it's the best team James Franklin's had. He's been there 10 years, I think. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, either 9 or 10. Yeah, you know, and I I said even uh, a couple of weeks ago, I said, if you're Penn State this year, uh, as a fan, you can realistically think this is one year when we can beat both Michigan and Ohio State. They play Michigan at home. Got to go to Ohio State. But Ohio State, of course, looks vulnerable this year. Uh, so Penn State has a great opportunity to win the East. If they don't do it, then a lot of their fans will wonder why not, because they appear to be at least as talented, if not more talented, than the other two. Yeah, those two running backs, Singleton and Allen, they're both really good. Drew Aller looks like a future NFL quarterback, but he, you know he doesn't have a ton of experience. The fact that McNamara went to Mich- went to Penn State and 
beat them. 21-17, game-winning pass to Eric All, 47 yards. He had three touchdown passes in that game. Now, granted, that was with Michigan, probably a better supporting cast. How much will that help him mentally going into that stadium? Well, it's got to help a little bit. The last time both those guys played in that stadium, it was a wonderful outcome. Yep. And it was a very positive uh, outcome as it related to their individual play. So I like the fact that they both won there as recently as last fall. And um, and for that matter, there have been some other players that are playing for us that have had a lot of good success against Penn State, too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, respect to all opponents, fear none. I'm sure we'll, we'll give Penn State the respect they deserve, uh, but we're certainly not going to be fearful about whether or not we can match up with them. Sure, that makes sense. Hey, but I can't believe the hour is almost up, but I wanted to ask you, you saw, did you watch any of the Iowa State game? I did. And did you see I the re- entire game, actually? Uh, I, not in real time, but I watched it, uh, you know, with, with TiVo. Uh, I, I felt badly for him, and I did go back to read the rule to be sure I knew what the rule was on field goals. A sad part of it all, in the first half, they barely missed a field goal, mm-hmm. which was wide, but it was maybe a foot outside the upright. It was a a kick that could have gone through and didn't. Uh, and then late in the game, as you know, uh, another field goal that appeared to go right over the top of the upright. Here's what the rule book does say. And, of course, those guys standing underneath the uprights are the best positioned to judge whether it was good or bad. Uh, one obvious question is, why don't you just simply mandate taller uprights? That would help a little bit, too. That's a good point. Because a lot of kicks, if they're mid-range kicks, a lot of them can be above the uprights. Mm-hmm. But anyway, what the official's supposed to do, he looks up straight up the upright, of course, upright extended, and the question in his mind is, did any part of that football uh, go outside of the outside edge of that extended upright? If it did, it's no good. Any part of the ball. Okay. So just the same philosophy as goal line. If any part of the football... Uh, breaks the plane of the goal line. It's a touchdown, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, if any if any part of that kicked ball is seen outside of the upright extended, it's no good. So all the football has to be uh, above the upright or part of it inside the okay. upright, of course. So uh, that's the that's the rule. If any part is outside, and the thought I guess is if any part's outside, then if the if the upright would have been extended, it would have probably hit the upright and not tear them through. It would have bounced back forward somewhere, okay. Uh, back toward the field of play. And so that's the way they interpret it. And, and one obvious question is, would it be that hard to equip every goalpost with some kind of laser beam that, just like tennis, you know, tennis, they show the tennis ball sure. is barely in or barely out. Mm-hmm. Couldn't you do that in football? Yeah, you could. I have no idea what it would cost. I'm assuming if it doesn't cost that much for tennis to do it, then, you know, maybe it wouldn't cost that much for football to do it. Just throw in one more TV timeout, and that'll pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, that's the dirty little secret, too. They they told us, you know, we're going to shorten the games here by by running the clock after made first downs, except two minutes at the end of either half. The dirty little secret, what they didn't tell us is the game's not going to and then quicker because we're just going to give you more commercials. Exactly. That, that's a very good point on that one. And Don, the thing with the Iowa State game, where I was surprised is that they just could not control the line of scrimmage. But then afterwards, I don't know if you heard about this. I saw it on video. Some fan, some smart-ass fan, as Iowa State was walking off the field, some fan yelled at Campbell, hey, you're on the hot seat, Campbell. And Campbell went nuts. 
he tried to get at this fan. They had to hold him back. I, it was so uncharacteristic of the Matt Campbell that I've heard of. I don't know. Were you aware of that? It was. I mean, it seems like the tension is building a little bit because let's face it, Don. They. I mean, they're last year they were four and eight. I think the bigger disappointment was the year before seven and six. I, I mean, I don't think I'm not suggesting his job is in jeopardy, and I don't really care. It's not. But it was interesting to see him get that upset at a fan. Yeah, that actually, that incident actually happened. I'm almost certain of this. Happened at halftime. Oh, was it at halftime? Okay. Okay. It was at halftime, okay. Yeah. So, okay. But he was walking. Now, I say that. That's what. That's what somebody had that on the on the um, social media. Okay. That's where I saw uh, it. And they. So I actually heard the. I actually heard the comment even, you know, you could pull it up probably and find it even now. Oh, you could easily find it, yeah. And he was some goofball fan that was uh, yelling mostly after Matt had already walked by. But he oh, without question, yeah. Loud. And, and when Matt heard it, you know, Matt did turn around and... and um, he was upset. You know, he started in that direction. He was immediately grabbed by players and coaches. Yes. Uh, who knows what might have happened, but I, I don't think... I mean, I can understand he'd be upset by it. You just got to ignore that stuff. You know, know, if you coach very long, you're going to hear some of that sometimes. I was just surprised that he got uh, that upset because just from the way he's handled stuff in the past. But, okay, enough about Iowa State. Um, Well, before we wrap up, I mean, how confident are you about Saturday's game, Don? I mean, uh, I don't want to put you on the spot. I'm not asking for a prediction or anything. But, I mean, mean, how confident do you feel right now? Well, I wish I could be more confident because – Frankly, you know, confidence is based on performance, and and our performance up until now uh, is a, a concern. Can, are we going to be good enough to beat a, a really good team on the road? We're going to have to play the, our best game we played so far. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to bring our A game on both offense, defense, and kicking. Uh, you know, we're going to have to obviously guard against uh, mistakes on defense. We haven't made many, but we made more in the first half uh, of any half that we played this year. We made more the first half on Saturday than what we made in the other two games. And, and the good news is the second half was a different ball game. The second half was domination. 27 nothing was the score. They had virtually, virtually no offense. 35 yards. Second half. So the zone read wasn't there anymore. I saw Joe Evans slow down, not just close automatically inside. Matter of fact, they pulled the ball and went to throw it one time. And Joe Evans was up the field. Uh, they were able to throw the throw the ball, but it had to throw it very quickly and, and threw it incomplete. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we just had to simply uh, learn from our mistakes a week ago, correct those mistakes, show up and play a cleaner game uh, on both sides of the ball. And the good news is we're not uh, drawing a bunch of penalty flags. Hope that can continue. Uh, you know, we've had very, very few penalties, so that's mm-hmm. part of the game, of course. Uh, and an edge on penalties itself doesn't make a huge difference in a game. But what about a distinct advantage? What about an advantage of four plays and penalties? Uh, you know, maybe they're penalized eight times. We're only penalized four. That's a good we're point. only penalized two. That's a big difference. Yep, that is. Because uh, you've always heard me talk about that hidden yardage. Sometimes it's not a five-yard penalty. It might be an 85-yard penalty. And a prime example would be uh, receiver downfield, right? Mm-hmm. That one got called back. Incidentally, we're lucky that was called back because that that lineman was about three and a half yards downfield. I think they're given three yards cushion. Uh, we're lucky that we got that call because that number seventy-seven was about three and a half yards downfield. That's all. Yeah, no. Uh, legally, he was downfield, but no surprise for you to hear. 
sometimes they don't flag you for that if you're only maybe an extra yard over what's allowed. And I think the concern, yeah. Don, is it was another play where the Iowa defense bit. They just were out of position, which they just rarely are. I mean, that's that was – I could – you know, Kirk brought that up. Sad. But like you said, they usually adjust. They'll get things fixed. And it's going to be – I one last question. Did you watch any of the Michigan State-Washington game? I did not. And uh, I suspected it was going to be ugly. It was and- ugly. It was ugly, and the only thing I hate, you know, I don't know anything but good things about Harlan Barnett, uh, veteran coach. I remember him as a player, just a great football player. Yeah, he too. was. I forgot how good he was as a player. Yeah, and I, I just, I'm disappointed. I don't know, uh, I don't have any idea if, if he's a, a logical, well, let's say it this way. If the interim coach does really well, it's not hard to imagine that he would be the next head coach. Sure. Uh, now, Harlan Barnett's probably, how old is Harlan Barnett now? He's probably 50-something 56, years old, I guess. I think. I think he played at Michigan State from like 86 to 89, just a little younger than Yeah, that. it's been a long time. He's never had any experience as a head coach. Uh, but obviously, if he if he takes control of the program now and there's somehow a turnaround with how they play, then that would be uh, certainly a feather in his cap. And that, at that point, they should give him every consideration to be the next head coach. I don't know if it's going to work out that way. Based on one game, it appears it probably won't. Yeah, we will see. Well, Don, as usual, great stuff. Really enjoyed it. And I'm hoping, man, it'll be fun talking about a win next Monday if that if that's what we have. And let's hope it happens. And you enjoy the week. Thanks again. Oh, my pleasure. we got a lot to look forward to. Yep. Uh, you know, there's no... It, there's so much fun, and I'm sure the players know this so well, and I'm sure somebody's going to bring it up again. One of the greatest feelings in football is to go on the road in front of a very, very hostile crowd mm-hmm. and shut them all up at one time. And the only way to do that is to make great plays. That is it. Uh, but we know we have all kinds of players on our football team that are more than capable of making great plays. You're going to see some great plays on Saturday night. Let's just hope that we have more of those same kind of plays than, than Penn State does. Uh, Kirk's got a great record playing against Penn State. He does. The players know Kirk grew up. Not that far from Happy Valley. Uh, I think it means a lot to Kirk to play well um, in the state of Pennsylvania because that's where he grew up. That is a very good point. Yeah, I'd be willing to bet we're going to do it all over again on Saturday night. And it's going to take that kind of effort to generate a win, but I think we're more than capable of getting that done. All righty. Great stuff as usual. Enjoy the week and look forward to talking to you next Monday. My pleasure, guys. Take care. Yep. Thanks, Don. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> what'd you do for that hour um, probably on the phone a lot were yeah you, I'm, uh, are you making deals well Wheeling i'm trying, and I'm trying deals. to disconnect from uh century link lumen and they sent me to the control center to register we've so i went there and then it says uh, disconnect and then you click on it and then you click on it and click on it and it does nothing and then it uh, shuts down the uh, control center. Wow. And then you call back, and you get a different answer. <laughs> and then they say, well, let me put you on hold one second. Well, they don't call it CenturyLink for nothing. And <laughs> then, yeah, I don't know what Century. And then they hang up on you. And then uh, I call back, and they say, well, hold on a minute. And then they hang up on you again. Okay, all right, where are we going with this? It's fun. <laughs> We so we're not resolved yet, I assume. Uh, well, we're resolved because 
uh, I called the bank, and they will not be auto deducting. There you go. Payments. There you go. Because so, you don't have the, you're not using their service anymore, right? No, okay. and haven't been. And it is been, You understand? I've been trying to disconnect since Wednesday. It is hard to get that stuff to stop, man. I mean, it it, it is. It's just ridiculous. Well, remember me bragging about MediaCom the other day? <clears throat> yeah. I wake up yesterday, I turn on my computer, and um, for like a minute the internet's fine. Then all of a sudden it's just gone, and I'm like, wait, what's going on? And so I call them and. and and I got, hey, so they're going to put me through the 10-step program. Here are 10 steps you need to do to fix your... Right. And I did all that stuff and what have you. But then I was talking to them, and then my phone goes out. <laughs> yeah. So then I have to deal with my cell phone. I finally got tech support. And this lady's telling me what to do to get my phone back. I'm like, ma'am, I'd rather get my internet back. And I explained to her I work from home. And she's like, okay. And she gives me the idea. I've done all that. And then finally she's like, well, have you thought about just um, going to your settings and troubleshooting? And I'm like, ah, what the hell? So I'll try that. So I go to my settings, troubleshoot. I take four steps, fix it. Just the some app applicator thing had been turned off. I don't know how, but I now I just I will do that. But the problem is my phone is now disconnected. It's offline, and I'm gonna have to call them back on my cell phone to get my phone back going. Well, you better call them from here then. Well, no, you work at your house. Well, no, I'm gonna get. There's a device I'm getting from Verizon that's okay. going, and they give it to you for free. They give, and it will help in that. But I can talk as long as I'm outside. I just, it drops when I go inside. But it was just funny because I hadn't Jeez. had any problems. But no, it was, uh, I mean, that's why they had that troubleshooting device there. And it was real simple. I could see that the Wi-Fi somehow, and somehow, I guess that stuff just happens sometimes. It seems like there's really no explanation for it. It's sometimes the internet just goes out. Well, they, they just, uh, they sent me a survey. Uh, Who, CenturyLink? <laughs> yes. Are you going to rip them? I did. Did you? Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. I didn't have to exaggerate or anything. It's, uh, it's so convoluted. Uh, I said, well, I got your modem. Send, send me a box. Well, you have to uh, request it in this. I said, why don't you just send me a box? I said, I'll send it back. Send me a box. I can't take it in to send. No, you can't do that. Do you understand that there are certain people and entities that I want to go to hell. Okay, well, let's answer this phone and see where this call takes us. Hey, Karn. Hey, hello. Hey, it's oh, not Karn. It's not Karn. Wow. Our first upset of the day. I, I blew it. What, what, hey, the television mentioned a story about Max White. I don't know if you've heard this, but uh, he's a great-grandson of Max Hawkins. Yeah, we've got a profile on Max Hawkins on our um, podcast, on the Hawk Fanatic Brian, Brian Hurley, former Iowa kicker, is just starting to do podcasts for us now. Every Monday, he's going to do these historical things. He's looking at Penn State, but this one today, it's up on Hawk Fanatic now. It's a profile on his great-grandfather, Max Hawkins, who lettered in 1939 and 40, if you want oh, to listen Okay, to it. great. But yeah, no, okay. thanks for yeah, reminding me about that Ma connection. Max, I, I'm of that generation. I am, in fact, I, I dated one of Max's daughters in high school for a while, and he, he, her little brother was Max. Okay. So it's got to be one of his siblings' uh, sons. Yeah, sons. So that's okay. a great story. And Max lived across the street from Kinnick. So game days, uh, I didn't even know it at the time, but the Iron his house. So that's just another color story. That's a good one. Okay, yeah, no, cool. Thanks for reminding me of yeah. the connection. Thanks. Okay. Yep. Great show. Thanks. Race, but, yeah, Brian Hurley's going to start posting podcasts Monday morning. It's going to be historical stuff. He's really good at – he's got his own site called Hawkeye Recap, 
and it's, it's just kind of a place where you can go and get all this Hawkeye history and what have you. So we're glad to have him on our ever-growing podcast platform. How's that? Uh, yeah. We have seven now. Wow. Seven different, well, including this one because we convert this to a podcast. But um, I really enjoyed listening to Rob Howe. He had Jovan Johnson and Jordan Kanzari on after, shortly after the game Saturday, and they kind of recapped the non-conference schedule and looked ahead to Big Ten. It was really good stuff. And I'm not nothing against media interviewing other media. I do that too. It's just nice to get some perspectives that aren't just media people. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's nice to oh, get yeah, former yeah. players who have been there and done it. Hello. Hello. There's Karn. <laughs> Allie well, Darn. I grew up with, um, with Max Hawkins' daughters. They used to play with the older ones. They lived in our neighborhood, and then they moved to another place, and then they finally moved to the place across from Kinnick. But... I knew them real well. Did you know that he was Max White's, was it great-great-grandfather, he said? Yeah. He, so you knew this. Okay, yeah, I was not aware of that. I should well, point. They, had a, they had a bunch of girls, and then they finally had the boy. <clears throat> so they were happy about that. And The one uh, sister was born a week before my sister was born. And I kept telling them how lucky they were because I had all brothers, and then pretty soon and they had all sisters. And then I got my sister, and then later on they got their brother. Okay. So, but anyway, I was going to ask, what's with the scoreboards? They changed them. They changed them over at Grant Field, the soccer field. I think they changed them to make video on them. But they're poorer than the other ones were. The statistics don't show up very well on them at all. I couldn't tell. I'm going to blame it on Brian Ferentz's contract. That's so, <laughs> yeah, do that. That's the only explanation. I, I don't know what to tell you, Karen. I couldn't tell you. I can ask. I can ask yeah, somebody. Because the statistics that show up on the football, that, that's icky. Okay. I will take your word for it and see what I can find out. I don't really pay attention to that stuff probably as closely as maybe I should. Well, see, I, I look up there and see them often. Okay. Now, and remember, then, it, did, it did go out for a while during the Utah State game. Well, yeah. And then... Uh, Burka. <clears throat> Burka's the guy that can answer that question. I'll ask Burka. Josh Burka. Yeah. Well, I know Josh real well. well I let's blame it on Burka right now. Yeah. You want to blame it on Burka, Captain? Yeah, yeah let's blame yeah. it on the Josh. That was a show from the 80s, wasn't it? Blame it on Burka? <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that a dance? Yeah. Blame it yeah, on Burka. But I'll ask him. Bossa Nova, Steve. Ask him why he didn't pick a better, better bunch to put it up. All right. Will do. And also, my cubbies are stinking right now. Yeah, even Hunter's, <laughs> even Hunter's concerned. I'm a little dejected, I will yeah, say. And I'm, yeah, and I'm me, the fickle. The playoffs. I'm fair weather, I'm done. Until they start winning again, I'm done. Well, they There's... better start winning because they dropped out of the playoffs. They were way up there. They dropped out oh, of yeah, the playoffs. They're up, yeah. They got the diamonds ahead of them. So. Well, they lost to the freaking Rockies. I mean, they're like 52 well, and 90. Lost six, six games they lost to that. Yeah, they they do not Arizona. play they do not play well against the Rockies and and the Rockies aren't even a good team. No, it doesn't matter. <laughs> What's well, going to be? They may end up being worse than what I predicted 80, 80, 80 and eighty two. They may end up being worse than that at the rate they're going. They're right around five hundred now, well, aren't they? Oh, no, they're about four over. No, I think they're six, but I'll I'll check. So they were twelve over. Uh, I had them going to eighty and eighty two, and I'm worried well, that they they're. Were cl- even very close to the Brewers. Now well, they were 12 over at one the point. They're six above. They're six, six above. Now. How far are they behind the Brewers? Uh, 
was that seven or eight? They got within a game and a half, I thought. Yeah, they were way up there. They were. Now they're now they're six and a half out. <laughs> yeah. Now they God. dropped down a half game below the second playoff. But at the rate they're going, you watch five hundred will be right around the corner if they're not careful. And okay. Then, and then all you'll be seeing is my pillow commercials again. Oh. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, you... I got a feeling they'll win three games. Uh, in well, the next two going weeks, back home, they better do something. At home. <laughs> and they're playing the Pirates, so that's that's a yeah. good sign. <laughs> so we'll see. Okay, okay. All right, all right. Thanks, thanks Aaron. Aaron. Bye. Bye. <laughs> What's up with the pillow guy? What does he have to do? When they uh, start losing, they lose sponsorships. Oh, they put this stuff on? Stick the pillow guy in there. They even brought the old couple back from, what, five years ago. Sling TV. Remember that couple yeah. that they made it sound like it was yeah. Swing TV? So great. Yeah. I love those commercials. Why'd they get rid of them? <laughs> huh? They were great. And I love, I miss the Sasquatch. Remember the one where they were trying to, yeah. like he was hitchhiking and they were yeah. acting like they were going to, and then they'd start making fun of him then didn't he toss Those the car great didn't he destroy the car yeah yeah and he pulled them out and threw them in there because <laughs> they were mocking him they were mocking sasquatch they were making fun of him hello hey good morning uh i got a couple things i wanted to throw out there and the first one is uh about the late score okay and this is a conspiracy theory on my part i don't know if you brought it up but the spread i think going into the game was 28 and a half and most people said, "Oh, we're not gonna we're not gonna score that many points." But the point that I thought of was, "Will we win by that many points?" And I don't think most people thought we would. A lot of people did, but maybe Kurt stuck that last touchdown in there to win by thirty-one to stick it to the whole gambling industry, and <laughs> yeah, you know, just just a. Uh, F you to all of that yeah. stuff. Just a conspiracy. Hey, theory. you know, think what you want. And <laughs> I'm not sure I agree with that, but who knows? Who knows? Okay. The the other thing is, I don't know if you've talked about this. And I'm going to hang up and listen to your comments. Uh, what you thought of Brian Ferentz's meltdown against Cade McNamara. And I'll hang up and listen. Bye. That's Brian Ferentz. That's, we know that his meltdown on the sideline was just like his meltdown in the press box on the replay official. And I know, I mean, I was there for that when I heard it, every word of it. That's just his temper. When he loses it, he loses it. I would have been frustrated too, but Don brought up a good point. Don blamed both of them. He blamed Cade for not executing the play, but it didn't look like Don liked the play call either. Like yeah. he thought he put um, Cade in a rough situation. I mean, of course it's easy to say Brian should have probably been less demonstrative, but that's who he is. And I think at this stage it's not going to change. He's 40 years old. That's just who he is. And it was not a good look, but I think Cade's probably mature enough to handle it. I mean, I, I, and with Brian, hopefully they move on from that. It's not an issue. But I think the fact that this fan, it's a fair question. I have no problem. I think for some, maybe it was an issue. I think some fans probably thought Brian overreacted. And let's face it, Brian doesn't have a long leash with most fans right now. They're tired of him. Yeah. They're tired of the whole situation with the offense struggling. So he doesn't get a lot of of what's the word I'm looking for is support, empathy. empathy, doubt on his side yeah. right now from fans. And that's kind of, I think where we are right now, but he did now me being the kind of the petty immature guy I am, I watched and laughed. I thought, but it wasn't me that he was yelling and screaming at, but when somebody gets so upset to where they're just screaming, how do you not laugh in some <laughs> ways? I mean, don't you find it? I mean, he slammed his, did you find it funny or would you? I, 
I just said that's Brian. That's Brian Ferris. Yeah, that's just who he is. Yeah. I, I mean, I kind of laughed to myself. I wasn't up in the press. Oh, well, you look at that. <laughs> you know, I just kind of looked at him. Oh, God, there's Brian. But I was up in the press box for his meltdown <laughs> on the replay of his one. That wasn't good. That was well, not a good look. His father came out and said it was unacceptable. You can't do that. I mean, I don't know if I'm not saying Brian needs anger management, but when he loses it, there's no turning back. He just can't help himself. And that was a costly. The game was still in doubt then. I yeah. mean, Western Michigan went to that halftime with a lot of momentum. I mean, they were in the game. They thought they had a chance to win, but I'll give Iowa credit for um, coming back and really shutting down everything in the second half. And what did you think of the 42-minute lightning delay? Um, and we got no rain, did we? No. I mean, we just get lightning, but no rain now. Yeah. That's where we are now. Not <laughs> even, and not even lightning here. No, it was, it was, it was within eight miles. Yeah, yeah. and because that's the radius. I think it's eight point six miles. But they got dumped. Well, Hunter, down south got hit hard, didn't they? Well, and Hunter got dumped down in the Quad Cities at yeah. the Blues Fest. Oh, uh, now is Quad Cities is it a little south of here? Because well, it, it seems like they missed us by about just 20. barely a little south. Maybe, maybe that made the difference. Due east, it, but yeah, it was horrible. I it. It rained, and then they kept saying, well, it's done, and then it kept sprinkling, and then it would pour again, and then... You're out there with all the electrical equipment? Well, (laughs) up on the stage where they have, you know... The metal stage. All the the watts of power and everything. Dying on behalf of this radio station. Damn right. Is that what you're saying? Damn right. Damn right. You stay there, and you like it. (laughs) Donald Fagan quit playing when it rained. Hunter keeps going. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and we had a a great turnout, and people not only listened to 99+, plus. But listening here, well, we'll be there this Saturday. We'll yeah. be in Clinton this Saturday from nine to um, nine to twelve, right? God, yeah. you made it longer. I mean, like, <laughs> been her. <laughs> what do you think Suter's going to do for three hours? He'll have that pencil there in case we start drifting. Oh, at all. I would imagine it'd be a little bit of it because yeah. there's going to be some walk-up people there that yeah. are just going to be there anyway. That yeah. be, no, I'm looking forward to it. I, no, it's like a, I said, I've never been to Clinton. It's a nice. I've been there. Um, I had a friend that uh, worked at one of the radio stations, so, uh, so I mean, I've I've been there. So it'll get us going. It'll, yeah. um, we'll, of course, doing a lot of talk about the football game that night, six thirty, CBS. Yep. And um, like I said, I'm not overly confident. I give them a chance. I, I if I ha- I haven't made my pick for this week yet, I will probably pick Penn State. I think home field advantage has something to do with that, but I also think Penn State's really good. But I also think Iowa, if if Cade plays better and if they play like Don said, a, they've only had one penalty in the last two games. If they stay away from penalties, fundamentally sound, don't break down like they did against Western, I think they've got a chance to win this game. I, I, I mean, I really do. But like I said, it's it's going to be a tall order, tough task. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, Just so it isn't an embarrassment. Yeah. Well, they remember they played there that year and they got beat 41-14 and Sa- Saquon Barkley, that was 16. Saquon Barkley came out and remember he said he thought Iowa quit in the second half, didn't want to be there. That was the ongoing story all that week. And then that week, night later, they beat Michigan at home. So yeah. Iowa, sometimes the, the thing with Kirk Ferentz that I've learned over the years is it's never rarely as good as it seems or as bad as it seems. It's always somewhere usually in the middle. But I do say, and I don't want to say, well, I guess I am singling out because he is the quarterback. With much given, much is expected, Cade's got to play better. He was not very good Saturday. 
I mean, I mean, if Spencer Petrus would have made that interception at the end of the half, oh my God, he would have yeah. been destroyed. Now, fairness, Cade's got more credibility built up, and fans were tired of Spencer, so it's tough. I, I get the comparison, but that was the kind of throw that would have just been the riot act, and I think fans are more willing to be patient with Cade because it's Cade, and it is just three games into the season, but it was not a good play, and he's got to play better. He's just got to do better than 9 of 19 for 103 yards. He's got to play better, and I think he knows that. And I don't think he's panicking, and Kirk's not panicking, and so we'll see. But if he comes out and he's ordinary at best against Penn State, I don't see him winning. I'm not saying he's got to be Johnny Unitas or Tom Brady, but he's got to be pretty good, I think, for them to win this game. So we'll see. That's where they play him. Should we uh, take a break? Jesus, this thing, we're done. We're already 90 minutes into this yeah. thing. Should we take a break and then yeah, finish we'll take strong? A break. All right. I didn't realize it was almost 1 800 800 Rose. 1 800 800 Rose, your FTD florist, is the only number you need to know to send flowers anywhere in the country or Canada from anywhere in the country. 1 800 800 Rose. It's so easy, just remember one number 1 800 800 Rose, your FTD florist. 1 800 800 Rose. Remember. For a gift that your loved one will treasure for a lifetime, find it at our family-owned jewelry store in Iowa City, Pertine and Stocker Jewelers. We can show you diamond engagement rings, colored stones, fashion jewelry, and watches. Our jewelers are on site, so we can design jewelry for that special person in your life. We are Hertine and Stocker, serving Iowa City and the surrounding area for three generations. Hertine and Stocker Jewelers, downtown Iowa City, and HertineandStockerJewelers.com. As for Willa, Terry, Tim, or Kate, one of us is always there. Over the years, car keys have gotten extremely complex. Mike's Lock and E-Keys for Cars can generate the most technically advanced automotive keys on the market today. Mike's Lock and E-Keys for Cars can produce most conventional transponder, sidewinder, and remote-headed keys. If you've lost the keys to your car or simply need a duplicate, call 330-9185. Mike's Lock and E-Keys for Cars has the technology to keep you on the road. Call 330-9185 and schedule an appointment today. Are you tired of living in a home that doesn't quite meet your needs? Then it's time to call the experts at Streets Maintenance. Their team of skilled professionals specializes in renovations and remodeling, transforming your home into the space you've always dreamed of. From kitchen bath remodels to complete home renovations, no job is too big or too small. Streets Maintenance will work with you every step of the way to ensure your vision becomes a reality. So don't wait any longer. Call Streets Maintenance to schedule your consultation at 400-4483. Let's start building your dream home today. There's a problem here in eastern Iowa. There's not enough Hawkeye fans. I mean, really, shouldn't everybody be a Hawkeye fan? Well, maybe not, but you should be a fan of my team at Hawkeye Title and Settlement. Hi, I'm Steve Anderson, and my team of experts at Hawkeye Title and Settlement know what they're doing. Call us at 351-8600. Hawkeye Title and Settlement, the team you love, the people you trust. Don't let just anyone take care of your smile. At Diamond Dental, you can expect compassion, expertise, and a personalized care plan to protect your teeth for life. With more than 30 years of combined experience, Dr. Forbes and his staff are prepared to tackle even your toughest dental problems, leaving your smile healthy and sparkling. 
Diamond Dental offers a full range of general and cosmetic dentistry as well as dental treatment options for snoring and sleep apnea. It's never too early to start thinking about what's best for your smile. Schedule an appointment today by calling 319-390-3703 or visiting the office at 5815 Consul Street Northeast, Suite D1 in Cedar Rapids. You can also visit DiamondDentalPC.com for more information. Dr. Forbes is a proud sponsor of the Hawkeye Wrestling Club and the Inner Circle. Let the Diamond Dental team provide superior care for your entire family. The Sanctuary Pub in downtown Iowa City has been a fixture since 1972 and still features a classic menu such as the classic shepherd's pie, handcrafted pizzas, and craft beers and cocktails. The Sanctuary Pub is known for its warm and cozy atmosphere. That's the perfect place to spend time with family and friends while enjoying live music. Support great local food with socially distanced dine-in, carry-out, and delivery through Chomp Delivery. The Sanctuary Pub is located at 405 South Gilbert Street. Full menu options are online at SanctuaryPub.com. Come experience the Sanctuary Pub. You won't ever want to leave. Car won't go into gear? Call Premier. Premier Automotive in North Liberty offers full-service mechanical auto repair, in addition to being Eastern Iowa's most trusted name in auto body repair. Use Premier for all your auto repair needs, brakes, oil changes, air conditioning, diagnostics, transmissions, or preventative maintenance. Whether you hit a deer or your car won't go into gear, see Premier Automotive in North Liberty. When you go to a family restaurant, you want three things. One, a wide selection of breakfast, lunch, and dinner items. Two, you want those selections to be affordable and delicious. And three, you want to be treated like family. You get all three at the Midtown Family Restaurant. Breakfast items available anytime the doors are open. Legendary tenderloins, onion rings, and hot roast beef sandwiches. And special ribeye and shrimp nights. Daily specials at each location. And no matter if you're coming in solo or with a group of 20, you get the same special family treatment. The Midtown Family Restaurants at Court and Scott streets and at the walmart plaza on highway one west follow them on facebook or at midtownfamily.com the family's waiting for gt you. car owner of Supel's building and remodeling has been offering unmatched service and quality for over 25 years the trained professionals at Supel's building and remodeling will install and guarantee the products used in any job no matter how big or small they also stand behind their work and offer no nonsense exceptional customer service from design to completion and beyond whether it's a simple window replacement or a major house edition. You'll have the confidence that Suples Building and Remodeling is committed to quality. Visit suples.net or call them today at 319-337-2246. If you're looking for a new or used car, truck, or SUV, you should know. Deary Ford is here for you. To give you the best selection and pricing on new Fords, Deary Ford is here for you. To work with long-term experienced sales and service reps, Deary Ford is here for you. To give you the highest trade values, Deary Ford is here for you. To provide pickup and delivery and mobile service for our customers, Deary Ford is here for you. Hurry in or shop online at DearyFord.com. Football fans, this is Bill Leichnering of the Oxyoke Inn. We are on your way to or from the game. We're ready to serve you with the same quality food and customer service you've come to trust for over 80 years. The Oxyoke Inn is serving our famous Sunday brunch buffet with lunch, dinner, banquets, and carryout daily. From our Oxyoke family to yours, we can't wait to see you again soon in the heart of Amana. The Oxyoke Inn. KCJJ Weather. 
Brought to you by Plum Supply. Plum Supply Kitchens and Baths. Your home never looks so beautiful. It is going to be mostly sunny today. A pretty nice day. We'll get to around 78 for a high this afternoon. The wind out of the south at 5 to 15 miles per hour. And we'll stay mostly dry through the evening, but we do have... A slight chance of scattered showers and thunderstorms late tonight. Our low down to 58. Tomorrow, partly cloudy, 83. Another chance of isolated showers and thunder showers tomorrow night. Then on Wednesday, partly cloudy with a high of 82. I'm meteorologist Sean Cable on the mighty 1630 KCJJ. Right now, it's 64. So they're uh, forecasting uh, rain and thunderstorms for us. It'll uh, skip right over us and... Uh, Quad cities, it's coming. No, there'll be some lightning to delay and cancel things, but then there'll be no rain. That's that'll that's what will happen. I'll tell you what, 83 tomorrow? I mean, summer's still not going away quite yet. I no, mean, but it's better than what Oh, it's better than what we have. Yeah, but yeah. Usually, I mean, you get this late in September, yeah. the 90s are usually rare, but no, 83, that's still... What's the first day of fall? Is it the 21st? It's uh, yeah. Saturday. That's the 21st, right? Yeah. No, it's 23rd this year. 23rd's the first day? Yeah, okay. this year for summer. Yeah, we're still anyway. technically in summer, so... Yeah. T-shirts and gym shorts. I can't remember the last time I wore pants. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, come on, get your mind out of the gutter. Long <laughs> pants. Yeah, long pants is what I'm saying. Yeah, long pants. So, but, so uh, you're, you're, oh no, you're a Packers fan. They lost yesterday, right? Yeah, they yeah, lost. They, they, I think they're going to suck. The Bears suck big time. Oh yeah, Justin. The Fields Bears are just terrible. Late second interception. It was I mean, not the good. Bears are terrible. I don't think the Packers have a good quarterback. Justin Fields isn't a good quarterback. Detroit lost at home to Seattle. I mean, did they really? Yeah, and I mean, I just, I think the Bears division is sort of like the Big Ten West, just a lot of mediocrity. But unlike the Hawkeyes, the Bears aren't good enough. I don't think to take advantage of that opportunity i mean who did green bay lose to atlanta yeah i mean that's just that's not good for green bay and he did play it right all right at times the quarterback he so uh, but no that division Jordan love yeah, that division is weak yeah it's, it's super weak you know <laughs> yeah and i just watched the patriots last night man bill I'll, yeah, belichick's a great coach but he hasn't done much without brady before or after and miami just destroyed them man does miami have some weapons well that should be uh the a the afc is a lot stronger than the nfc this year it looks sure. to be except for the 49 except for the 49 that can just beat everybody <laughs> yeah the 49ers look like i'm still not completely sold on brock purdy yet i mean maybe i'm my cyclone bias is coming out i, I just need to see more i need to see more from him um, it's been a cool story so far, but, but yeah, back to that Matt Campbell thing. I did not realize that was at halftime, but man, no matter how mad Kirk gets, I don't see Kirk ever doing something like that. And what did he do? Matt Campbell had to be a fan was tackling him as they were walking. You know, in these smaller stadiums, you yeah. get closer access. Yeah. The team was heading either to or from the locker room and some fans, of course, shooting video and Hey Campbell, you're on the hot seat. And he turned around and was going after the fan and players and coaches had to stop. <laughs> Serious. Yeah. And then the fan was reveling in the attention. <laughs> not, I don't know if it was a fan I, or just I, I some guy see. with a cell phone, but no, it was not a good look and it was so uncharacteristic for him. And I could see maybe Brian Ferentz doing that if he was a head coach, but Kirk would never do that. I don't think Kirk would ever lose his composure like that. And Not to a fan. I used to kind of put, yeah, especially making a fan relevant like that. Yeah. I would have put kind of Kirk and Campbell in the same category there. But it just shows you though the pressure's building over there. They've been. This looks like it's going to be another bad year for them. They were hurt by the gambling stuff. I get it, but you know, seven and six two years ago was a bad year. Four and eight last year, so. 
I mean, he's human, but it was just a, I was stunned when I saw that. You know, but you know, but fans with a cell phone, they 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 know, know they can do a lot of damage yeah. and bring attention to themselves, and and they do. That's all social media is: is hey, look at me, look what yeah. I'm doing. Yeah, you know, I mean, sports and politics seem to be the two main catalysts for people to latch onto to bring attention, and a lot of people get on there, and part they're fun. It's a game to a lot of these people is just to be mean and hurt people. Oh and yeah, no. That's what they want to do. That's yeah. just that's the enjoyment of it. It is. It's that's a game. just the enjoyment. Yeah. It's just a big game to the you know, some do it with sports, some do it with politics. I mean, I will say this much about Facebook's not as well don't vile you, as, there's less, as Twitter. There's less anonymity, right? There's yeah. more yeah, it's you have to pretty much reveal who you're a lot of these Twitter accounts are alias and they don't think they would well, I've even seen people I've had people attack me, and I'm like, why? If you're so sure and an expert, why are you posting under an alias? And some people, well, if I posted under my real name, I'd get in trouble with work. Well, so they're basically admitting because some of the yeah. trash that I put on Twitter, my job wouldn't allow for it. So I hide behind an alias so I can be mean and just. But that's social media, though. That's Twitter or X or whatever it is. Well, the the media says that the altercation with Matt Campbell happened at the end of the game. That's what I thought it was, too. But Yeah, well, walking back to the locker room postgame, one Cyclone fan was asking Campbell how it felt to be in the hot seat. That sent Campbell into a frenzy, wanting to have a word with the outspoken fan. <laughs> a frenzy. <laughs> but I will give the people around him credit. They kept him from go. They turned him right around and said go. I thought it was at the end of the game, but hello, I'm often wrong with stuff like that, too. I had my 45-year uh, class reunion from Kennedy over the weekend. Okay. And tr- Tracy Crocker come back. God, yeah, he was in my brother's talking. recruiting class. Yeah. 78. And, uh, I, I told his wife, I said, you don't understand how big that interception was because Iowa football needed it. I mean, Hayden had him turning around, and it was really great. But uh, that Western Michigan quarterback, when I was watching that game, he faked me out a lot. Me too. I mean. Me too. I just. They both did. They used two face. quarterbacks. Yeah. I mean. He followed through with the fake. He and did. It's like, that, that really, really works. So. I don't think they'll see that kind of play against Penn State, but who knows? Maybe they will. Yeah. But, yeah, no, he did a good job with ball fakes. He did. Um, Deion Sanders, his kicker, is he really 31 years old and married? I believe so, yeah. <laughs> There's another one that kicks for who's 34 and had been in the Army for like 10 years. Yeah, no, those, those are true stories. <laughs> okay. And he has, and well, I'm he not has sure a, if it's Dion. Was it Dion? I thought it was the Colorado State kicker. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right. Yeah, but because Dion Sanders' kicker po- was Jay Feely's son, but then he missed that bad mm-hmm. one, and then they put in the kid who transferred with Dion from Jackson State. And I don't think I think it may be another kicker who I know who you're talking. There's a 31 and a 34 year old kicker out there, both play. You know, both kicking for their teams. And and they have full time jobs. That I don't know. Well, no, they're, they're full-time students. You yeah, have to be to play. I mean, you could, yeah. you could be in the Army. But you for... can't play Division One football and have a full-time job. No, you... There's not okay. enough time. But if you're in the Army for uh, yeah, it all depends 10 on, years... It all depends on when you enroll yeah. in school. You get a five-year window. If you never yeah. enroll in college, it just pushes the window back. Yeah. Uh, huh. Well, I'm 64, and I still like to punt, but... <laughs> These punters nowadays are... Yeah, Iowa doesn't need a new punter right now. They're doing just fine right there. 
Yeah, I just want to sit on the bench and watch the game. I want to close up. Colorado State Rams, Jordan Noyes, 31 years old, married with three kids. Okay. Good for him. Yeah. Good for him. Cool story. Yeah. Have a good day, guys. All right. Iowa State uh, players got uh, food poisoning about five or yeah, six five, of them Including Friday their top receiver. That obviously factored in the game. and um, But still, I just thought they'd have enough firepower to beat Ohio. You would think. And you, you know now that the fans are going to be uh, fired up to do this to just get on Campbell's ass if he keeps losing. Yeah, and it wouldn't surprise me if the Penn State fan. Do you think they're going to say anything about Brian Ferentz's amendments? Oh, well, yes. <laughs> you, know, you know, and that's the day. And I don't know. CBS Sports is so focused on that. It's just well, he made it this week. Well, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Kirk was. Giving Max White that a touchdown for the points, but I just, I just, I'm giving Kirk the benefit of the doubt I on this one, and don't, I, I could be wrong. I don't, I will never understand why you don't, you know. I, I understand the sportsmanship, but you know, the goal is to score as many points. And as when you can. have a six, I've seen games blowouts where they'll take a knee, and it'll be the backup quarterback with oh, yeah. maybe the second or third team running back in the backfield. This was unique because you had the sixth team running back in there. And he had a chance to score a touchdown. It'll probably never, ever happen again. Right. Maybe I'm giving too much credence to that and not the point thing because I don't think Kirk cares if he makes 325 points. I don't think. I think there's a part of Kirk, and this could be wrong, he's never told me, that doesn't want to make that to see what Iowa does. Do you, where they'll take it. I'm yeah. sorry. Hello. Hey, dude. Hello. Hey, uh, Pat, that uh, 34-year-old with two children is the kicker for UVA. Okay. Virginia. Okay. Okay. That's where I saw. Yep. Okay. Cool. Thank you for pointing that out. Yep. Now, um, do you, uh, to revisit the Colorado, Colorado State thing, don't you think there were some pretty deliberate cheap shots in that one? Yeah. Both sides. Yeah. No, that was a very chippy game. Yeah. I mean, some of the stuff, and you're right. It was on both sides, but um, Colorado State really went a little bit over the top. I thought they did. And I like Jay Norville. I know he's a former Hawk and very respected, but I thought that cheap shot by that, that, I mean, Travis Hunt, the ball was, had bounced on the ground and that D back had to have seen it bounced right. And he still just laid right into his midsection and just thought it was a cheap shot. Yeah, it was, it was nasty. And there were a couple of other ones. Um, No, there were, there was a, there was a national program where they revisited three or four of them. And, uh, yeah, I think Colorado State should be a little bit embarrassed. But, and uh, they had that game, and I'll tell you, Shadir Sanders was incredible on that game-tying drive. I mean, I've, that's as good as I've seen a quarterback play. I mean, he just he did everything. He's really good, way better than I thought he was. And if you you know what's kind of interesting? If you watch Colorado State, Dion's pretty quiet on the sidelines. He doesn't really say much. He's not, look at me, look at me. He's very laid back. He'll talk some. But he's not just one of these guys that's ranting and raving over there. He's pretty composed. It's interesting. Well, he had to have been pretty composed because he was 10, 15 feet away from that cheap shot, and he didn't do or say anything. No, you could tell he kind of made a, a jerking move, but no, he kept his composure, whereas his kid went right and got in the face of that defensive back, and they were pushing each other. Um, so, yeah. yeah, no, I was surprised that Dion was so composed during that. Or and, Coach Prime. And did he have two kids on the team? <laughs> yeah, Shiloh, the safety. That's his other son who's really good. Yep. Well, and didn't he have a kick return for a touchdown? I know he had a – I thought he had a pick six. Okay, okay. I missed oh, that part. I wasn't home it. yet. Yeah. 
I, I got oh, home. The game yeah. was in late in the first quarter when I got home from Kinnick. But I yeah. watched the rest well, of it because it, it was a very entertaining game. And, of course, the Jay Norville, Deion Sanders story connection was also had my attention. Well, yeah, I had a Zoom meeting uh, Friday afternoon for a board of directors, and I wore my hat and my shades because uh, I feel like uh, Dion needed, deserved a little bit of support. Jay should have just <laughs> shut his mouth. All right. I'm sure he would All appreciate right. that. Later, dude. By the way, Wednesday is City Heights Homecoming Parade. Uh, it starts at 6 at Mercer Park. It goes uh, west to Bradford, to First Avenue. Probably want to avoid First Avenue during that time. Yeah, <laughs> north to Batesfield. I've been so, caught in that before. Yeah, there'll be some traffic delays. So. How about uh, former Hawkeye Charlie Jones? Yeah. That was pretty cool. That was first, first return for a punt, a punt return for a touchdown in Cincinnati since 2012. I forgot. I didn't even realize that he had <laughs> 81 yards. Good Boy, for him. It was great. I saw the good uh, for Charlie. I mean, I, that was so the cool. best thing he did was leave here. I don't mean that to be negative towards yeah. Hawkeye football, but it's the best move he could have made for himself. Hello. Yeah. I just wanted to make a comment about the, uh, the last touchdown there. Um, because I had people that were saying, oh, they did it because of Brian and this and that. No, you know what? That's the offense, and your job is to score, and you're right there. You put it in, and if they don't stop you, I don't care what the score is or what you're up. Your job is to score points. You score points. I agree with you, but what about what Don said, that it's so unusual for Kirk to do that in that type of situation? I, I get it, but, I mean, I also – man – were they, they were inside the five, weren't they? Yeah, it was like a two-yard run, and yeah. I keep going back to it was the sixth team running back. That's, to me, what took priority over everything else or what was most important. Here's what, here's Not, what, here's what Ferentz said after the game about that play. Yeah, I mean, our guys really like each other as a team, and that's, uh, they've been that way since January. You know, we've added guys along the way. But they, they really like each other as a team. And then Max is a guy who walked on here, had chances to go other places and, and uh, receive aid. But uh, came here, he works extremely hard in practice and just is uh, playing on special teams, doing a really good job right now. So the guys are really happy for, uh, like, you know, I got a little cheer from the crowd when that happened. Uh, same thing with Stilianos. I think he seems to be a little bit of a crowd pleaser. And when Deacon hit that pass, all the guys on the sideline were, you know, they're pretty enthused about that too. So, yeah, I still think it was more the circumstance than the contract, but maybe I'm wrong. What do you think, caller? Um, I don't know. It doesn't make no I – don't, I don't care. Okay, I that's fair enough, story. too. Yeah, that's a fair argument, you too. Know, I, mean, we, I mean, we sit here and we bitch about – well, people complain about scoring and doing this and that, and then they, they stick one in there and do that, and people are going on, you're never going to win. I think it was more, though, not Iowa fans. It was more – I mean, when I was in the press conference afterwards – it was more the national media jumped right on it. I mean, right. Oh, this is hilarious. Kirk. And, and I just, and of course, Iowa state fans. I had some reach out to me and tell me I'm a clueless Homer hack. Of course he did it for the contract. Cause of course, Iowa state fans would know. Yes. So no, I, and I think you're right though. I think with a lot of Iowa fans, they just didn't care. Yeah. And I got an observation about Saturday with, uh, with Cade and with, and like his throws, you know, if, if they're behind a runner or a receiver or maybe seem like, you know, a couple, I don't know if he's getting as much zip on the ball on his drops. If you watch the way he's twisting his hips and throwing, he's throwing like, I don't know if that leg, if he can plant and step up and push off. Do you think, did you see that? Well, I, I, not as much as you did. I, I, I but 
I thought maybe at times I see something, but it also could be because I'm really looking for something too because it doesn't seem like he's got his normal zip. But for me, it's more the decisions that he's made that have been questionable. And he's also missed some open receivers. I mean, if he hit Seth Anderson t- um, two weeks ago, I mean, that's a touchdown on a deep on, on a ball that would have given them a lot of passing yards. He just hasn't really played up to the standard that I had set for him yet. The injury, of course, is probably part of it. And what you've observed, I mean, I, I don't know. It would be interesting. But if he isn't 100%, I, they're, they're still using him. But if you think about it, their backups hardly have any experience. I mean, so... So we'll see. Hopefully, he did say he felt like he had played in a football game Saturday, but during the week, he said it was full going practice and he was feeling better and better. So hopefully, that continues to be the case, but he's got to play better. He just has to. And uh, I just, that's almost three weeks in a row now against, you know, a Mountain West, a Big 12 team, and a MAC team. <clears throat> Our, the receivers have got separation and got behind some guys. Mm-hmm. Consistently now in every game. Okay. I'm just well because we we've talked about you know stretching the field and getting that separation and they have been behind defenders and like you said he's he's missed some throws it's going to happen but I think that's encouraging I don't know if you guys do or not no I yeah think. no I think there's re- I, the passing attack still leaves much to be desired, but it looks like potentially it's going to be better than last season. The play calling is more aggressive, as Don pointed out. They're trying to make more plays downfield, and that's for the first part in succeeding is trying, so we'll see what happens. All right, man. Have a good one. All right. What do you think of that? The first part of succeeding is trying. Yeah. Is that kind of what you... I like Is trying. that kind of the code you've used for your life? You just try. I... Are you trying right now? No. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Hello. Trying to get to the end of the show. <laughs> You're just trying to get home, aren't you? Did I, did I hear Molly come in? Yeah. That's one step closer to you getting the hell out of here, right? <laughs> Hello. Yeah, I had to take a phone call in this part of the show. But uh, Western Michigan's coach didn't make any comments or something after the thing. Was he mad about the last score I didn't, or something? I didn't hear his comments because I was in with the Iowa stuff and I didn't have Dallas with me, so I couldn't be two places in one. I don't recall anyone saying he was, and maybe he wasn't asked. I don't know. Well, uh, I don't. They, I thought I heard somebody say that he didn't even show up for the. the see, the I don't conference. know. Like I said, I normally don't go to that one, and Dallas wasn't there, so I just had to be in with the because they go on at the same time, and I'm, so yeah, I couldn't. I could. I, I don't know if he showed up or not. If there, I don't know if Western Michigan even had any media there. I don't think they did. So maybe he just. If, if there was no Iowa media wanting to talk to him, maybe he didn't do a postgame. I don't know. But I don't recall seeing any Western media besides their sports information people there. And that's not that uncommon anymore with smaller schools. Yeah. And then I miss this, too. Where's CJ at now? CJ. Bethard, is he with? Um, is no, he... no, 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 no. Uh, the receiver. I got the initial from. The, the one you just talked about. Charlie Jones? Charlie Jones, there we go. He plays for um, Cincinnati, or the Bengals. Bengals. Bengals, okay. Yep. Okay, thank you very much. You bet. Bengals are 0-2, surprisingly. Yeah. But yeah, good for Charlie. I mean, that was neat to see him get that punt return, and would love to have seen him finish his career here. I know he still has a lot of friends on the team, and what have you. I mean, they don't, those guys, they can separate the friendships and the football. That was a business decision for Charlie Jones. That was strictly a business decision. Yeah, and it looks like it, it was a good one. And it looks like it worked. Yeah. I mean, it definitely he got a chance to display what he can do, and he got an invite to the NFL, and now he's in the league making some good money, and 
doing something that's really hard, which is returning punts for touchdowns in the NFL. That ain't easy to do. Well, um, the YouTube video of the Western Michigan football postgame is only four minutes, so he must not have stayed very long. And in fairness, I mean, I oh. just – if they don't have any of their own media there – Sure. I mean, it's not really the Iowa media's responsibility. It would have been interesting, but like I said, had I gone over there, you also don't want to miss because no. they it's a different post game now. They bring the Iowa players up one by one to a podium. In the old days, they'd send them into the room next door, and it would just be a feeding frenzy, right? Which I kind of liked it because you had them. COVID kind of changed all that stuff. You could get them on. You could get them sometimes on your own after games. Now you can't get anything on your own now because whatever you ask them, they're right there at the podium. If you have some hot take and they respond to it, if it's interesting, everyone's going to have it at the same same time. So it's hard to be in two places at one time right now, and that's kind of what I'm thinking is that there just wasn't a demand for him. He might have been, you know, just thinking out of outside the box. Maybe he was embarrassed that the six string running back scored a touchdown on his defense. Well, yeah, I mean. Yeah, it's and just – I mean, I don't think there's a right or wrong right. thing. And, and, and nobody knows what Kirk was thinking besides Kirk and maybe a few close to them. But I just don't see Kirk bowing to this amendment thing. I see oh, him no. being more stubborn, if anything. And when he didn't kick that field goal against Utah State, I thought he was sending a me- – screw your amendments. But, like, today Don's answer kind of surprised me a little bit. I thought Don would think more I did. But Don did bring up a good point that it is so out of character for Kirk – to take that approach, and he did it here, so it's naturally you're going to wonder about it because of the stupid amendments in the contract. They've put Kirk in an unfair situation now. His motives are, motivations are going to be second-guessed yeah, now because of that stupid contract. New Kirk. Well, an old Gary. <laughs> and like I said, don't get me wrong, I never had anything personal against Gary Barton. I always thought he was a nice guy. I mean, I did. He always treated he was a nice me with respect. Dustin. He came on. He treated with when respect. He I mean, him and, yeah. And yeah, he didn't do yeah. many interviews, but most. But he made himself available. Yeah. Um, at, um, but he just chose not to be out there a lot for interviews. But this amendment thing is just. I, I don't know what he was thinking. It was just stupid. And like I said, I've had people reach out to say, "Why doesn't Beth get?" I don't think Beth has the authority as the interim AD to do stuff. It like would that. not look good, and if she'd she... be called weak and a yeah. Kirk apologist. Yeah, it would not look good. It would not look good, and she probably knows that. But I don't think she's got the authority right now as the interim AD. I think there's an interim tag on there for now. I don't think that she. And I don't she... think, but I don't think she would do it anyway. But like I said, I this... think they'll go away at the end of this. I year. do too. I do. And the national media that are just under this belief that he's automatically gone if. He doesn't meet all these requirements. You're wrong. That's not in the writing. There's nothing in writing that says that. So, but the national media is going to continue to have fun with this because that's what they do, and they really like making fun of the Kirk Bryan nepotism yeah. angle. That's just something that they've pounced on, and they're going to keep doing it. And I mean, we've had discussions. I could see why somebody would think that it looks like Brian Ferris has been given preferential treatment. You can separate. You can both things can be true. You can think that, but also think that Kirk's not going to. Um, put his son first above everything else to meet those amendments. I mean, and because I do think Brian Ferentz has probably been allowed to last longer than most o- coordinators in his position with his performance because it's the head coach's son. I mean, I think that's a fair, I think that's a fair observation. I think most co- coordinators would have been fired. Now, Iowa doesn't fire, I mean, Greg Davis coached for five years and what have you. I mean, Kirk does not fire many coaches. I mean, that that's the one argument, but the way the offense performed the last two years, I mean, I think a lot of fans were expecting something to happen. The amendments is not what they expected. But it's also easy for Gary to do those amendments and then leave. He doesn't have to deal with Kirk now. 
He basically dumped yeah, these things on Beth and the. It just wasn't well thought out. No. Uh, you know, it just wasn't. But well. somebody had to approve. Had to. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know how it works. I guess no. I mean, somebody could have told Gary. I mean, couldn't the president have stepped in and said, "No, I don't like this." And first of all, definitely don't go public with these amendments. It's just going to make us a laughing stock. Somebody had authority over to stop Gary. At some, I would think, if they wanted to. If they wanted, if they to, wanted to, but they and chose, if they knew enough about and may, yeah, but I wonder it. how much. See, that's what I don't know. How much transparency? How much communication there? So, how much did Gary Barbara Wilson? Right? Is that yeah? Yeah, but you got a new president, and you got an outgoing. So, do you think he did these amendments without her knowledge? I can't see that. I, I don't know about that, but what is her knowledge? And how much does she? Yeah, what is her knowledge, and how much did she even yeah. care about it at the time? Every time I think of Barbara Wilson, I think of um, Hart. But that's, that's Nancy. She, Anne and she's, Nancy. Yeah, she's yeah. the unsung Wilson she's sister. She's the third Wilson sister. <laughs> Hello. Hey. Uh, she must not care a whole lot about football because she didn't sit in her seats the first half of the first game. And then we called some people to sit in her seats the second half. And people tapped them on the shoulder and said, hey, those are the president's seats. And they said, she hasn't been here for one play of the game. <laughs> like. <laughs> Why yeah. can't these little kids just sit there, you know? Well, that's yeah. interesting. What if we ask her and she said, well, our home schedule sucks. What if she said that? <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny? I was, I was watching the Illinois game. Yeah. <laughs> or I'm just maybe kidding. She's a brilliant, maybe she's a brilliant woman and she thought the press box would have been a better place to be sitting at 95 degrees than down at the 50-yard line. That could be. Yeah, that could be, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that could definitely yeah. be. Yeah, so. Yeah. Not sure. Later. All right. Bye. <laughs> well, this was a wonderful conversation. Yeah, God, it's almost 11 yeah. o'clock. Molly's out there ready to go, right? She's always ready to go. Yes. And then Suter's back on Wednesday? Yeah, and, we'll, and we'll start. Yeah, and we'll talk about the remote. Um, hopefully, Tom, when he gets back, will have heard from some people because it would be nice if we could give away some shit. And all that stuff's I'm up in the air right I'm thinking of now. even uh, kicking in some, uh, some stuff. So. Like what? Well, some stuff. All right. But yeah, nine to Maybe twelve. A little money. Wild Rose Casino in money. Clinton, encouraging people to, you know. What if we're done and Suter can't leave? He just can't pull himself out of there. Because you know? <laughs> I'm planning on riding over there with him. I'm going to let him know that we're there till like midnight. I'm watching him play video <laughs> poker. Oh, he's winning. Well, if he's winning, hell. I'll... So, but all right, everybody. We'll have a good, safe Monday, and we'll be back on Wednesday. Thanks again to Don Patterson for the. Always great insight.